we've all had the experience where we call into the airline and we give my record locator number and then they route me to an automated message. And then I go through the phone tree and I get to the executive platinum desk or whatever it is. And then I got to give them my record locator number again. I said, guys, these systems should be linked. Like I know that you have all of my information. You should know this is just unnecessary pain that I'm going through. What if you can eliminate all of that? And as we're gathering this data from our customer base, from our prospects, just have a rifle shot that hits the target every time. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Nick Runyon. Nick's the Chief Marketing Officer at PFL.com. PFL is the creator and leader in the tactile marketing automation space. Now, in this episode, Nick and I dive into the whole subject of tactile marketing automation, you know, the sending things, physical things to prospects and customers as part of your playbook to move deals along. We talk about how PFL got into the space. I mean, normally, I don't spend a lot of time on founding stories, but this story is one that's really interesting about how PFL evolved from a small local print shop into an organization with global reach. We dig into why tactile marketing automation is a great tool to use to break through the digital clutter that is engulfing your buyers. Nick shares some ideas about how to implement tactile marketing automation as part of your ABM campaigns, and also shares how some of their clients are using it. We'll get into this and much, much more. But before we get to Nick, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Happy to be here. Oh, great to have you here. So when you know when we were <laughs> when we were just starting our conversation before uh, we hit the record button, is uh, noticed you're back in your office, and that's that's uh, first person I've spoken to in ages is back in their office. So tell us about that. Where are you? So I live in Bozeman, Montana. Uh, PFL is based in Livingston. Um, we've got offices in Montana, in Bozeman, and Livingston, and then also in. Salesforce Tower in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Our indie team is still remote. I would say probably half of our Montana team is also remote, um, but there's a few of us that are coming into the office here locally, appropriately socially distanced, and taking advantage of fast internet, quiet working space, <laughs> and, a, and a large spaced out office. So. Meaning. There are no kids in the office. Uh, yeah, that's code for all the parents out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> Yesterday was the first day of school for my kids. We've got a new high schooler, a new eighth grader, and then we've got oh. a bunch of kids at my house. And I took a customer call from the garage and was immediately ridiculed since I didn't put my virtual background up. So. Oh. <laughs> Actually, you know, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the virtual background. So this is this is reality, right? So just yeah, show reality. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Dog barks and whatever. Yeah. Well, we we also have dogs in our office here. Uh, being Montana, it's very yes. dog friendly. So we might get some dogs barking uh, here today too, even though I'm back in the office. No problem. No problem at all. Um, well, let me just ask this question. So. What do you think is the biggest lesson you learned about yourself during the pandemic? Um, the importance of good, clear communication. And I think that our team, I really have to praise our team. They've done an incredible job. 
people were optimistic from the beginning, kind mm-hmm. of a, you know, we're going to, we're going to tackle this. We're going to get through it. And we set some, uh, just some frameworks early on about like expectations around communication. And I got to say, I feel like we might be doing better now than we were before. <laughs> it, as strange as that sounds. Oh, I think some companies second that. I mean, there are times we feel that way too. I mean, it's, it's, but I'm not sure it's sustainable, but I mean, I, think I, I agree. Just, yeah, Everyserve has done this, but no one signed up for this. And so, yeah, I think for a lot of employees, you know, work is, work is meant to be a, a collective thing in one place, but we'll find out, you know, how the, how the situation allows it. And that communication that apply also same lessons apply to your your family. Yeah, it's it's different. Um, so I mentioned we've got a bunch of kids. We have five kids, and yeah. my the age ranges go from fourteen. So you've got the oldest with all of the oldest child tendencies, which mm-hmm. I share myself, down to a four year old who, and they all deal with things like a global pandemic very differently, <laughs> and you know any. Anybody who's listening who has children in their life, I think, is going to relate to this. So I don't, I don't pretend that's anything new. But just in our own context, we're trying to understand, okay, if you're acting out, or if you're asking these questions, you know, like my daughter the other day asked, what if Santa Claus gets COVID? Do we Whoa. have Christmas? It's like, okay. Whoa. You know, and, and we're months out. But in the six-year-old mind, I mean, that's that's what earth shattering yeah. <laughs> you know so yeah that's a big deal uh, that's that's a great question <laughs> wow yeah so what was the answer uh santa claus is not going to get covid <laughs> you know I, and but i immediately started asking like well how do you feel about things like what are you worried about you know and let's talk about it yeah so everybody's carrying a weight i think we've all felt that low-level stress, you know, months in, we're like, oh, gosh, this is really having an impact that I didn't immediately recognize. And some of that adrenaline that got us through the beginning, it's starting to manifest in different ways. It's, it's important to be aware of that. So, well, I mean, your six-year-old definitely has a strategic outlook on life, which, uh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, it made me ask the question, like, what's my santa claus question you know and and what what similar types of things are uh, are employees going to be thinking and worried about that might sure. not be verbalized you know so and then what can we do to really kind of pull that to the surface so that it can be dealt with yeah well i think everybody's you know confronting with the uncertainty about hey someone in the office you know, gets infected or test positive or um or yeah, are we even going to go back to the office again? I think uh-huh. you know. I, I think the discussion is so uh, sort of blithely assumes that this new normal is something that everyone is accepting as a good thing, <laughs> and yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, <laughs> I'm with so, you, right? I mean, it's 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 not what people signed up for. You come to work at a company that part of the attraction is being there with the people. Some people are perfectly fine. I've worked on my own for 20 years. That's, you know, hey, work remote, no problem. But, you know, I also tell the story of hiring people to staff remote offices. And we had to spend a lot of time saying, can this person work independently? Mm-hmm. Whereas we've just assumed everybody can. Yeah. And we, 
you know, we went to an immediate travel ban, like a lot of people. Yep. We went yep. remote. Um, Which is why I didn't have my bike trip in Montana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but just two weeks ago, I flew back to Indianapolis and hosted a barbecue just for our team back there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all been remote and some people didn't show up, which I completely respect. Right. Uh, other people came, kept their masks on until we went outside. It was all outdoors and nice weather. And, but the, the thing that I was struck by was I think kind of the desire and, um, just the different ways that people express the need for community, you know, and, and yeah. just yeah, yeah. sharing a couple of pulled pork sandwiches and some beers in the backyard did a lot of people a lot of good, you know, and I was happy to be a part of that. Yeah. I think when people are given the option, they feel it's safe. They're coming back. And in our company, I mean, the <laughs> the biggest, the person who misses people the most is the CEO. I mean, that's, so it's, uh, but on the other hand, you got to be safe and do it, do it wisely inside your environment in Montana where, yeah, the positivity rate is uh, very different than, let's say, California. So, yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about for people who aren't familiar with PFL. Uh, tell us what you do. PFL is a marketing technology company. We build enterprise grade software that leverages uh, customer intent signals to automate direct mail. And we do this to provide really an incredible, remarkable multi channel experience for prospects and customers. So give us an example. So an example is, uh, you know, with ABM strategies uh, or even I, I think Legion, uh, it applies as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of our customers are using it in that context. But there are certain um, signals, markers, indications that we can uh, capture sure. within a customer CRM. And we just leverage that data in order to provide one-to-one experiences. So... Uh, I, I explained it the other day in this way. Uh, when I when I got married, um, my wife and I had zero money, but we saved as much as we could, and we took an amazing honeymoon uh, in St. John, the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. It's more than I've ever paid for anything. <laughs> uh, probably still, actually. But, <laughs> but uh, we showed up uh, at the airport. Somebody met us with the sign. You know, it's like, oh, this right. is a fun experience. Never had that before. They take us to the car. The, we don't touch the bags. We go to a boat dock. They take us on a boat, private boat. It was just us out to uh, St. John. When we show up at the resort, there's a woman standing on the dock with a silver platter and lemon scented towels to refresh us. I said, hello, Mr. And Mrs. Runyon. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Nobody's ever told me that before, you know? Mm-hmm. And we go and it's not a normal check-in. They are all prepared. They knew we were coming. They had everything arranged. So it was really just kind of taking us to our prepared room uh, in a golf cart, you know, and it was all highly customized. I had given them all of our information, our itinerary, our data, and they could create this whole experience for us. Now, that's easy to do when you have 10, actually, it's not easy to do even for a resort, 10, 15 different guests a day. There's a lot of logistics there. But think about scaling that to 10,000, 20,000. You know, some of these, the biggest brands that are finding the best value from PFL are dealing with tens of thousands of customers a day. Providing that one-to-one experience is possible when you can register and understand the signals that your customers are putting off. 
things like response rates to email sequences, uh, activities on a website. Like we can gather all this data and then put it sure. to use to provide a personalized experience. That's that's what we do. And that personalized experience, you said you talk about direct mail, but it's it's not necessarily direct mail in the sense people think about it. I mean, yes, it could be a personalized note that you know comes in letter form, but often it's you guys call them assets, but uh, I tend to call them gifts of some sort. Mm-hmm. But something more more tangible than a letter, something that's personalized, as you said, based on your message, the campaign, and the person. That's exactly right. I mean, we've seen um, all kinds of things, incredible stuff. For uh, a production company, we created around a certain artist um, that I'm not going to name because I don't know if I can. That's <laughs> fine. <or not. laughs> but uh, it was a kit. It was a, let's see, probably 24 by 24 inch box. This thing is heavy and it's all completely custom branded on the outside you lift it open and in the inside of the lid is a video card and then inside the box is a tray with a backstage pass a a ticket a personalized note to a concert Um, and then you lift that layer and there's a vinyl album with uh, the record sheet and all this stuff inside of it a set list for the show it was just this incredible high dollar experience for VIPs. For VIPs going to a concert, a rock concert, or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I mean, and and you know everything in between. You can have personalized handwritten postcards and the whole spectrum. So that's we call it tactile marketing. That entire space. Yeah. So I was, was going to ask about that. So how'd you arrive at tactile? I mean, I like it, but it's interesting. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, there's a touch, there's a feel. I really like, I I joined PFL as a CMO about a year ago. And one of the things that really captured my imagination was this coordination of the online and the offline, you know, the blending of the digital and the physical. Mm -hmm. I think that direct mail has been around for decades. And it's all, you know, when you say direct mail, I think about, uh, you know, nonprofit solicitations with a return gift envelope, right, you know, right. postcards, those kinds of things. Um, delivering a physical experience, I think, goes way beyond that. So that tactile uh, approach and language is uh, what we really latched on to. And um, we talk about that entire space as tactile marketing automation. It's, it's the development of those pieces in a thoughtful, timely highly engaging way uh, for your customers and your prospects. But you guys started as a direct mail company, right? Printing direct mail. I mean, so what was, what was sort of the, the spark to say, Oh, let's, huh. This is interesting. Uh, let's transition this direction. Yeah. You know, like a lot of things, um, I think our, our experience uh, is, Whenever you see the creation of a new category, um, sometimes it's just kind of internal brilliance. I think in our case, it was customers saying, oh, this is great. It'd be really nice if you could do X, Y, Z. And so we were, uh, PFL, yes, did start as a printing company. Um, And actually, I don't know if you Printing for Less, right? That's the name, right? Yeah. And I was the head of marketing for Printing for Less up until 2008 before I left and did a bunch of other things. We moved all over the country. And, and then you came back. Um, then I came back. And uh, when I was back in town, you know, the, I began to rediscover uh, what was happening here. Um, 
we were the first company to take commercial printing online and created mm. that category. And mm-hmm. when I was here in the early 2000s, we were doing work with Adobe and Microsoft and you know those kinds of desktop publishing uh, companies and getting digital files into uh, print-ready PDFs. And that was kind of our big innovation. And, right. And now that that category is very full. You know, <laughs> yes. Multi-billion dollar right. kind of industry. So uh, it's rare to create a category once. It's even more rare to do it twice. And one of the things that Andrew, our CEO, and I began talking about was this whole concept of tactile marketing automation. It came about because we were doing some of these um, large print jobs for big customers and we were leveraging data from their CRM and marketing automation platforms and building APIs and webhooks and this kind of thing. They said, well, it'd be really great if we could just kind of automate a lot of this. And we looked at it and said, yeah, I think that's possible. And nobody was doing it at that point. Hmm. And and that's really where uh, we moved quickly from that direct mail concept into, well, what if we build welcome kits for customers? What if... Mm-hmm. Salesforce is a huge customer. As people go through their their Trailblazer certification program, mm-hmm. the completion of that program will trigger uh, the delivery of a really, I guess it's best described as a gift. It's a whole kind of welcome kit right, with right. Salesforce swag and you know uh, information about your certification, and then those kits are are personalized and differentiated based on uh, the user's profile that Salesforce has gathered over time. So, you know, one person might get a work from home kit. One person might get a, a wellness themed kind of kit. You can, you can really do anything. And so uh, we looked around and realized, you know what, there's a, there's a huge market for this and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah. It's interesting. Just, you know, not necessarily name names, but I mean, you, how one of your bigger competitors started at the completely other end of the spectrum. <laughs> you guys are arriving somewhat in the same space as they were doing gift cards for coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, it sort of speaks to, you know, I think sort of the, the I don't call it essential nature of, of this market, but it, it's, you know, this whole idea of how do you, and I think you refer to it uh, as well, is how do you break through the digital clutter? And yeah, I'm a huge fan of of uh, Stu Heineck, and he's been on the show. I'm sure you're familiar with him, and and you know, sort of talks about this space on a more of a one on one basis, as opposed to you know automating it. But but still, it's like yeah, in this world where people have inundated by digital messaging, yeah, how do you how do you create that that personalized experience in a in a tangible way that's not just by changing the salutation on an email. I think I think that's a differentiator between you know direct mail um, and what we call tactile marketing automation because mm-hmm. P, I, I, you know I people want to be known. We talk about customer relationship recognized. management. Yeah, recognized, but I, I would say known as well. I mean, mm-hmm. if uh, we have we have several vendors where I'm spending. You know whether it's part of our Martech stack or an analyst relationship or whatever the a PR firm, whatever the case may be, I'm engaged with you to help grow my business, and I need you to know me, and I need you to know my business, I need you to partner with me. Uh, I think a client relationship is something that I think about when I think of 
you know, engaging a lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure. uh, it's a client relationship, you know, uh, I'll pay you for time and you get this thing done and then, and then we're on to the next thing. Uh, that's fine and appropriate in that context. But I think when, whether it's a, like an SEO firm or, or any of the number of examples that I just listed, like I need people that are kind of in the trenches with me, really partnering with me to help grow my business. And I think that uh, for them to communicate to me that they know my challenges, they have a solution that they can help me implement to help us win, uh, that's going to give me confidence to continue to buy and to continue to move forward with them. And that's really what we want to help other people deliver as well. So it is, and we've got the ability to do that. I mean, we've all had the experience where we call into the airline and we give my record locator number and then they route me to a, you know, an automated message. And then I go through the phone tree and I get mm-hmm. to the, you know, the executive platinum desk or whatever it is. And then I got to give my record locator number again. I was like, guys, these systems should be linked. Like I know that you have all of my information. You right. should know this is just unnecessary pain that I'm going through. What if you can eliminate all of that? And as we're gathering this data from our, our customer base, from our prospects, just have a rifle shot that hits the target every time because I know what you need and I know that I know I can solve your problems. Let me help you deliver that in a way that you don't, you don't have to ask questions about, um, you know, how or how much, uh, at least not right at the beginning because I've engaged you by very quickly demonstrating that I understand your context that you're living in. And, uh, it's just, I think a more intelligent, more appropriate way to engage prospects. It's one that we found success with and, and many of right. our customers are. As okay. Well. So so again, give me a hard example of how you accomplish that with with uh, your system. So um, we can see uh, we have a we have a BDR team here that's and we've got a named account list. Mm-hmm. So we have an account based marketing strategy that we've implemented. Right. And so the small number of accounts that our BDRs are individually prospecting, it, I think it really begins with research. I mean, and we're gathering some of that uh, data and those learnings in our marketing automation platforms so that when we begin to engage, we're doing so intelligently and communicating to the customer um, just a, an understanding of their context. Sure. I want you to know that I know where you're at. Customers, I think it starts with a realization that our customers and prospects, they don't care about us. <laughs> they care about their own business, mm-hmm. as they should. And so um, if we can connect those dots quickly, then uh, we have great success there. So as, as I see, you know, uh, Andy and your you know, contact that's in an account that I'm working and I understand kind of what your preferences are, what your challenges are, what you've been publishing, like I can gather some of this data to understand and start to build really kind of a business case for PFL helping to move your business and your specific responsibilities forward uh, within your organization. And then just developing creative ways to engage people uh, in that conversation. We, We like to say direct mail, I think is amazing because when that box gets delivered, I'm not answering an email. uh, I'm not, doing anything. I've got the focus of 
unboxing this thing. I'm kind of wondering what's inside of it. And there's those moments in time that get created that as a marketer, we can then take advantage of. It's 100% open rate and it's 100% mm-hmm. attention <laughs> right is. in that moment. Right. Um, I got home the other day and there was an Amazon package, you know, on the kitchen table and right. the kids hadn't opened it. So like, what's inside? Uh, and it was just, you know, toothpaste or something that I'd ordered from Amazon. <laughs> but it was still kind of this moment. And so if you can if you can leverage that moment to communicate to your prospect, I know you, I know your challenges. We've solved these same challenges for a number of people and brands just like yours. Let's have a conversation about how we can help. Right. So what you're saying, though, is your, your piece in it, though, is this is how I capture your attention to have that conversation about how well we understand your challenges and your context and so on. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for the physical manifestation of this, you know, this box or whatever is, is so how's that decision get made in terms of now's the time to send something and what we send? I mean, I know you can put it all in a playbook and automate that, but I suspect that loses a little the the buzz if it's if it's uh, done purely that way. Uh, I do. I think that automation usually comes at the expense of kind of personalization. Yes. Uh, and so um, it, you're right; it can be automated. We like to say that you know nobody's ever bribed into taking a phone call uh, because they've been given you know, a gift or, or, or whatever, like what in, what is in the box isn't necessarily the most important thing. It's the message that comes along with it and making that connection. Now to your question within our named accounts, what we see is um, we've got email automation, like email sequences. Mm -hmm. And then as people are responding to those and you start to see some level of engagement, and like many people, we've crafted those to make them context-appropriate, mm-hmm. valuable information. Right. Right. One of the things I did initially was just an audit of all of our stuff. It's like, anything that's talking about us, people don't care about it. you know. So like, right. what? let's deliver value at every touch point. So as you start to see that engagement, then that does trigger um, a send within our BDR team. And then what PFL provides in that send is a timely delivery notification. So we're following up within 15 minutes of delivery with a, uh, a phone call. Mm-hmm. So you've got this true kind of multi-channel. Somebody's gone through right. a web experience. We've seen kind of what, what information, what maybe white papers or blog posts they've been doing on our website. And then the send uh, ties into that experience we can have personalized you know variable data printing that happens as the box is leaving right the dock and then that timely phone call puts it all together and it's really just an opportunity to make it easy for a customer uh, to explore uh, how we might be able to help them solve some of their challenges so are there certain uh, things that you send that that <laughs> you your data said you know, this, this thing in this box, if it's in this box, you know, this, this converts at a higher rate to a conversation, but there's certain categories yeah. of things. Yeah, the, there are categories and it's interesting because um, what I want to do really, I think beginning this quarter, but certainly into 2021 is really kind of break down. I'm imagining that there's some type of, um, 
tactile marketing matrix that exists, you know, mm-hmm. but where you've got different stages of the buyer journey or customer journey, whichever the case may be, and different levels of engagement. Most, they probably match up to certain uh, kind of levels of responsibility. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. what we found three dimensional matrix you have going on. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So, one of the, one of the things we we found that is uh, that really connects well um, right now is tech. And so if you've got a high uh, a high value prospect, um, you know it's maybe an executive level at a big brand. Things we just sent out last week uh, a box with um, a Yeti microphone, uh, a, uh, like a ring light for your computer, mm. um, and then some other kind of desktop things because we'd seen that um, this particular contact had a, just frankly a really poor setup when doing vid- <laughs> video calls and that type of stuff. So we were able to like get something that's very personal and, and make a strong connection there. But that's and, like and quasi risky at the same time. Yeah, well, since you're, yeah, since you're sure. telling them they're deficient, but but I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and it, 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 you know, when I spoke with her the other day, she was like, "Now I'm a pro," you know, so it, <laughs> it did pay off. So that was good. But that might not make sense if. But you're who came up to... with that idea for that customer? Was it the the BDR? Was it uh, an account exec? Was it? Uh... You know, yeah, that, was, um, that was personalized. That was, Interesting how that that thought train evolved. I'll give credit where credit's due. I mean, that was actually Eva Jackson on our demand gen. Uh, she's our demand gen director, mm-hmm. um, and I love some of the stuff that she comes up with. But uh, some of our essays come up with some incredible things. You know, the BDR team we're always collaborating. Uh, I really like the environment we have at PFL. Like anybody's, everybody is capable, and anybody is welcome to contribute. But. Um, it might not make sense to send such a high, you know, dollar value to say, you know, an entire uh, team of stakeholders. If if you're selling like cybersecurity software, sure, we've got sure. some customers that are cybersecurity, and so they're engaging like development teams. You might send something like that to the CTO, but you're not going to send that to everybody on the team. It's just it just costs too much. Yeah. So we found that at different stages, there's some really, there's pretty incredible things that you can do with paper. We've got like some slide and reveal type of things. We've got mm-hmm. uh, a piece that's an, an infinity fold. So I don't, I still don't understand how this works, but you've got this multidimensional piece of paper that just keeps folding. And it's a really creative way to deliver a message, walk people through like a story concept, for example. As they unfold um, as they unfold it and it just keeps folding. And so what it becomes is kind of a leaving piece that people I've seen it on calls where people have it on their desk and they're just playing with it. You know, like that's great tactile brand experience. You know, Mm -hmm. the marketing side of me starts to go with, Oh, if you're engaging with my brand like that on a regular basis, there's some affinity that we're gaining. But you also have the ability then to custom print on that piece for that, that account. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and even you know, yours can be different from somebody in your office who receives the same kind of piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting because I mean, part of the, the reason I think that that this whole area is so fascinating is is that yeah, I mean, one, it's it's a way to engage people, sort of maybe uh, retain engagement with people. I mean, I think 
we get so fixated on sales being a process. I think people forget that sales is actually a series of moments that are strung together and not a continuous process. And yeah, it's one of the key factors and you know, behavioral economists have done work on this, like Daniel Kahneman and others, is that it's the impact of those moments that are most memorable, not necessarily the sum total of the whole process. So, you know, he's got, uh, you know, his whole theory of the peak end moments and, you know, where people go through an experience, remember the peak event in that experience and the last <laughs> event in that experience. Well, this gifting could be a peak event. I think you're right. And I think that every one of those touch points are an opportunity to either build or erode trust, mm-hmm. either deliver value or waste somebody's time. Oh, absolutely. You've read my and, book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's what we, we try to do that ourselves, but we also try to direct our customers to think about it in the same way. Yeah. I, I think that, again, is the thing that's so, to that point you were just making is, is you know, we live in a world where, by and large, especially in the tech side, products are easily copied. And so any sort of, it's hard to create barriers to entering in new markets. People can get in because, you know, everything's software. It's, you know, can largely be done. So in the eyes of your customers, increasingly product offerings are seen as commodities and somewhat interchangeable, especially with low switching costs involved with a lot of the SaaS products. So how do you how do you differentiate yourself? And and the thing is it doesn't have to be extreme differentiation. Actually, I I ask people all the time, you know, so tell me what was your margin of victory on your last deal? You know, are you one percent better, ten percent better? Hmm. You know, it's you can't quantify it. But you know, it's these small things that make a difference. And the aggregation of the small things can result in a win. You're absolutely right. And that differentiation, I've never heard it uh, phrased as the margin of victory. That's really interesting to me. Um, I mentioned cybersecurity before. Mm-hmm. Cybersecurity companies have a tough space because the measure of success is zero catastrophes <laughs> you yeah, know, or right. zero problems. Like, right. keep me secure. That's, that's the goal. So how do you differentiate in that market? Uh, one of our customers, Arxen, sent a piece uh, to stakeholders in the buying process. And then to other people, they sent a blacklight pen. And so the piece um, that was sent had you know some marketing messaging on it. Mm-hmm. But then when it was matched with the blacklight pen, and by sending it to two different people, you can get multiple people in an office talking about right, it. Right. The blacklight pen revealed um, some printing that we put on the piece that says, uh, you miss 100% of the threats that you can't see. And it was really clever and very engaging. And yeah. I'm going to call them back, you know, like just make it easy for me to recognize among the possible vendors in the field, who do I need to go with? Like, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a bad decision. Right. But if you can quickly help me understand like who's the best out there and something like that experience is going to put them far out in front. And in fact, it did. They had they had great success with that campaign. Yeah, and it's just a small thing. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's it's not about the product. <laughs> it's it's not even necessarily, as you said, they have, they have sort of a binary outcome they need to achieve. 
you know, it's either good or bad. And everybody sort of works in that same sphere. But yeah, how do you differentiate yourself on a personal level? And I think if there's really thought given to how you're going to engage with people using tactile marketing, then yeah, you you enhance that personal connection. And, and the thing that's that's oftentimes increasingly you see is that there's you know in sort of the echo chambers of LinkedIn and so on is <laughs> admittedly is this idea that yeah you know relationships with our prospects you really don't need those yeah they're really yeah that's overstated and I think people sort of misunderstand completely what is meant by the idea of a relationship with a prospect but nonetheless it's still you know, it's humans making the choice whether to employ you or not. So, yeah, at the end of the day, is how do you engage with those humans? How do you build this relationship? How do you build this trust? How do you have them give you an extra 15 minutes of time here or an extra, you know, 30 minutes here or something that enable you to deliver value and move the deal forward? Yeah, I, I believe that you have to present that opportunity in a way that helps people immediately understand whether or not it's worth their time. And that's just this constant process because even, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that technology is easily copied. I think some of these tactics are as well. Oh, know? sure. And the overall strategy of implementing, you know, a multi-channel uh, experience with direct mail, uh, that's easily replicable as well, you know? And so, Rather than trying to get into this cycle of like always one-upping the competition, what, how can we think creatively about how do I deliver value in those moments and just help build trust, and then let's let's partner together, <laughs> you know? And that's probably overly simplistic. Well, but. no, but I, I think I think the simple is good. I think people need to think about these things in, in simple terms. And and as as I think about this whole category, and which I'm fascinated by and think is well worth people exploring, is is they need to understand that when people have decisions to make in a, in a corporate, like team people on a you know, team of stakeholders, is that decision is taken by each individual on two levels. They think about what's best for the corporation. They think about what's best for them personally. Mm-hmm. It's just the way people think. I mean, Herbert Simon... You know, philosophy of bounded rationality talks about this, and 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 I think what you're doing definitely appeals to the personal side of things. And that, yeah, you, know, you, you always want to say people put the company first, but no, it's a balance of what of what goes into it. And so, if you think you got a, a collection of ten stakeholders make a decision, there's actually twenty choices being made. They're not ten, you're right? Because everybody's doing both the personal and the corporate level. Yeah, I think you're right. So, and yeah, if you have impact with engaging the person through, you know, some clever use of of tactical marketing, tactile marketing, excuse me, um, yeah, can spell the difference. People always want to talk about what the box looks like, what goes in the box, what kind of gift are we going to give, and those are not um, trivial things. They matter, but I don't believe they're most important. What's most important is connecting those dots for people like you're describing. Yeah. And that's that's where I think PFL excels because we're we're enabling people to do that at scale. 
through yeah. deep integrations with their CRM mm -hmm. and, and uh, not sacrificing personalization in the process, you know? And so that's where you get, it's a fine line between, you know, automating greatness and automating your mistakes. You know? Well, we do a lot and, of that uh, in sales. <laughs> that's exactly right. And so, uh, you know, we want to automate the greatness and those one-to-one -one connections. Great. All right. Well, Nick, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but um, really appreciate you taking time to join us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun talking to you. Thank you. And if people want to learn more about PFL or connect with you, how can they do that? PFL.com. And then I'm, you know, I'm on all of the things at uh, <laughs> Nick Runyon. So all right. happy to connect with anybody. Perfect. All right. Well, Nick, thank you very much. Thanks, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank Nick Runyon for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement, with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or review, let us know how we're doing. We'd certainly appreciate it. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.